1: Welcome to Ask Me Anything, honest questions, quick answers. I don't say that part very often, but I just want to remind you that's what we're trying to do with Pastor J.D. Greer. And uh, I was actually reading in my Bible recently, Titus 2, mm-hmm. and I came across a phrase where Paul's talking and he's saying something Humble about... to brag about doing your quiet Exactly. Time. I hope it's not bragging that I spend time with the word, but you never know. But Paul's talking and he basically makes a comment about how slaves should respect their masters, something like that. And I was just wondering, why doesn't Paul just say right there, slavery is bad, don't be a slave. So the overarching question here is why doesn't the Bible condemn slavery? So there's lots of examples like that where it seems like it could explicitly condemn slavery. But it doesn't seem like it does
0: this is actually a question i get a lot of times on college campuses in fact part of the, the genesis of ask me anything was that there really are only about five questions that i get asked when <laughs> i go to a college campus people say how do you do that stand in front of a college audience and they just let them ask whatever they want You're like it's basically five questions but this <laughs> this is essentially one of those five you know one of the first things to do is that you don't ever want to just brush this aside yeah and i honestly i think some of us that grew up reading the bible probably had an insensitivity hmm. to some of these stories that are there but there's some things that you just you know ought to be troubled by that you shouldn't try to explain away for example when you hear about Abraham has a slave Hagar and then you know Sarah gives Hagar to him to sleep with with Abraham to raise up that's yeah. that's not just slavery that's that's like sex slavery yeah. and that ought to be you ought to be troubled by that I um, I get you know I, I certainly understand that there's a sense in which you don't want to you know, they say it's always dangerous when you're trying to judge people of a previous century by by modern understanding and, and standards. But you know, even with that, I just think there ought to be things that don't sell. So, why is it that Philemon in the Bible, why did he need to hear that, you know, Onesimus should go. Why wasn't Onesimus already freed? Yeah, that's the 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 letter that Paul wrote. Well, a couple key things, uh, key concepts I think here to keep in mind. There's a big difference in the Bible, particularly in the Old Testament. It's also true in the New, but particularly in the Old Testament between let's just say description and prescription. Okay, just because the Bible talks about it doesn't mean that it's 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 condoning it. Yeah, Uh, when Abraham you know takes Hagar as a sex slave, that's you know, that is a, that, that, that's a described, it's not like, and this is, you know, everything that God wanted. Yeah. Plus, when you read the stories, you find out that these things, you know, particularly slavery, it's always presented kind of this negative overarching light and it leads to pretty disastrous consequences. Another good example is um, how they always favor the firstborn.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't know. Are, are you firstborn? Uh, firstborn male. So I guess I would have, I got credit for it. You would have got credit. <laughs> so,
0: you know, I'm firstborn, so I, I wasn't sensitive to it. But you, know, you read it and you're like, why does the firstborn always get everything? Yeah. Right. Not just the bigger brownie at dinner. They get like, <laughs> like get everything. And But what you see is that throughout Genesis, God is consistently choosing the second He's yeah. he's choosing and, and and he's using Jacob you know instead of Esau and so he's subverting the whole system. Yeah. Same thing you're going to find with slavery and these things is that while it is described, God has already put in seeds that are undoing you know the very hmm. very nature of it, which leads me to the second thing, which is what we call progressive revelation, and that is that Scripture leaves in place some deficient systems. While planting the seeds into those systems of, of their undoing. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mentioned private is one of those, the children of the firstborn slavery. Um, polygamy is gonna be another one of those. Okay. And th- those are just ways that you have to read is that God didn't fix everything at once. Yeah. And I, I don't want to speculate, but perhaps if he did, it would have created just revolution that they weren't ready for, yeah. and you know, things that would have taken the distraction off of the covenant promises and more onto the, the government fixes, if okay. that makes That's sense.
1: Super helpful. So as we look at the Bible, like how how do we process us through some of these verses that do describe slavery when we kind of dive into the Bible. How do we look at those things? Okay,
0: well, I'd say a couple things here. Um, First of all, in the New Testament, the first thing you got to realize is that when it says bond servant or what is often translated as slave, that is not equivalent to what we would think of when we say slave, particularly if you're talking about the trans-America African you know, slave trade. The Bible explicitly condemns what it calls man stealing. First Timothy chapter one, verse eight, it says it talks about that being immoral. So that can't be the kind of servants that Paul is talking about. Um, what he's talking about, scholars say generally would be something more along the lines, not exactly, but more along the lines of indentured servanthood, where someone sells themselves or there's some debt or something okay. that they're it's, it's not racially based. Okay. It's more debt based, and somebody's doing this to pay off a debt. That doesn't mean that it's a great system. Yeah, it doesn't mean that it's it's good government. It's just you know I just wouldn't you know make those equivalent. But the, what we would call slavery, the Bible explicitly condemns that. First okay. Timothy one and actually some places in the Old Testament too. Second thing is that the New Testament, as I mentioned with progressive revelation, it subverts the entire premise of really any form of slavery. You, know, you could summarize the entire New Testament ethic as simply love others as you love yourself. Yeah. And I think it would be self-evident that loving somebody as yourself means that you don't own them. Hmm. It tells us to treat one another as brothers and sisters, which is actually a very scandalous thing in the New Testament church because you know Rodney Starr, the church historian, says one of the things that distinguished the church from other every other group in Roman society was it was the place where where the, the master and the servant hmm. and all peoples came together as equals. They yeah. greeted one another with a holy kiss which wasn't just a weird greeting; it was like you know, a family. It was, it, yeah. it was equality. Um, you know, we always say that the ground is level at the foot of the cross. It, it establishes one kind of person center, one kind of common salvation, one one common inheritance. And so, the New Testament, just the very gospel itself, subverts. Which I, you know, it's something I want to come back to in a minute. The third thing is is realize that, like I said earlier, rather than issuing a political manifesto, what God chose to do is to plant seeds. You know, conceptual seeds that would ultimately undo the current order. Yeah. I, again, I, you know, I, I don't want to speculate too much, but had God said, "Hey, the system is wrong, get yeah. rid of it now," I, you just can't help but think that might have led to a lot of political. You know, revolution. Yeah, where Jesus's followers are like, "All right, let's get our swords and let's go take down the current government because it's wrong." And that God was not coming to bring a political revolution because a political revolution wouldn't ultimately change the heart of man. Yeah. So he, what he did is he 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 injected a gospel, and that gospel had seeds in it that would ultimately undo and create for a more lasting revolution. If that you know, if that makes sense.
1: Okay, so that is really helpful. Obviously, when we read the Bible, it's helpful to know how these things are kind of playing out. But on the other hand. We do have to admit that when we look at the history of Christianity, especially in America, there are some—I would say—a mixed bag in terms of the church's response to slavery. And so, how do we think about that? How do we dive into that? As yeah, as tragically,
0: I mean, look, particularly in American history, European history, not only is the church, you know, not spoken out. Sometimes they've, you know, church leaders have been the ones that have championed this yeah. most and defended the status quo. And there's just really no excuse for that. And God have mercy on them, and God have mercy on us for you know the um, the things that. We we could be blind too, but one of the things that I like I give just give an example when Christians use the Bible to justify slavery, they did so not because they were taking the Bible too seriously, but not seriously enough. That's good. At, in the the Bible Museum in yeah. Washington D.C., they have what they call the Slave's Bible. Okay, and it was a Bible that you know these supposedly conscientious Christian masters wanted to give their their slaves so they yeah. could know God, but they had cut out. A bunch of sections of it. And and they actually have the slave's Bible that it is has been all these parts of it removed. And I thought, what a that's kind of a perfect illustration yeah. that that you could use isolated text out of context and out of narrative to be able to justify things that are wrong, but you could never take the whole Bible because the whole Bible itself subverts slavery. Really which good. which is kind of the thing. When the Bible's been used and, and when the gospel hasn't been understood properly, it's led to the most subversive. The most you know, slavery overcoming force in in history. Yeah. William Wilberforce, who who led, you know, the, the Bible was his main text. The abolitionists in the United States, even down to civil rights activists like Martin Luther King and others, you know, they, they're clear. The Bible is is the is their primary text of of liberation and freedom. I think the best work on the history of slavery in America is by a guy named Thomas Sewell. Okay. He is an African American scholar. He lives out in California. And um, Thomas Sowell talks he says basically, and I'll, I'll you'd have to get the three volume, you know, work to actually yeah. but he, he you know, to to summarize it, he said slavery is not unique to any one people, any one race, any one civilization. He said as long back as you can go in human history, yeah. there's been slavery. He said the three biggest slave, you know, um, groups are the African, okay. like inter African slave trade, yeah. the Arab, and then he said the European. He said the only system that has ever Kind of, you know, kind of subverted itself from within. He says, "Is the one that had the Christian base." He said it was the, you know, that that you had this enormous amount of guilt literature that began to come out of the places where Christianity had been established that ended up subverting the whole thing. You didn't find that in the other places where there wasn't a Christian base. They just kept going along with it. So while it's been true that Christianity has been misused to justify slavery. Christianity and the gospel properly understood, subverts the whole system, and has led to the the greatest and most lasting revolutions in history.
1: Well, that's really good. I hope this was helpful for you guys. We're really glad you joined us today. If you want another podcast to listen to, maybe you listen to this podcast on your way to work. You need a podcast to listen to on your way home from work. You should check out The One Thing Podcast with Scott Sanders and Derek Hanna. It's part of the Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network family. They've been covering topics like handing off ministries, knowing when to say goodbye, and growth barriers. Um, which are just some really helpful things. So look up the one thing on your favorite podcasting app and subscribe today.